0: Welcome to LifeQuest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your LifeQuest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Liberty Magazine editor Lincoln Steed is a combination of writer, editor and christian pastor he's been doing these things for a very very long time today we put him on the hot seat with some questions gathered from several sources that are on many minds these days he doesn't know what's coming but i have a feeling that his answers will be like a hammer hitting the head of a nail this program is sponsored by liberty magazine lincoln are you ready to construct some understanding for us today Yeah, let's go for all right here we go Stump the chump we'll call it right we will do that Here is question number one. How involved should a Bible-believing Christian be in politics? Should they run for office? Should they promote one party over another? What's your advice?
1: Well, Paul was very plain in speaking to the Christians of his era when they had zero political power, that they should respect and support the authorities. And he didn't have to spell it out. They were not to support them in ungodliness and evil, but he presumed that the civil governance was a reasonable thing for the peace and security of society, and they would be very supportive and not be opposed to the government. So on that level, particularly in a democracy, where there's an expectation of people to vote and to be good citizens and to sustain the system, I think it's not only not a denial of our faith, it's commensurate with faith to be uh, the best we can be in that regard. But I think to make a career of politics... To think that, as a Christian, you can change the world through political means, is at the very least to enter onto enchanted ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's no evidence that Jesus saw himself as an agent of political change. Remember, he made a distinction between uh, his kingdom and the, the kingdom of the world. And he said, if if his kingdom was concerned with here and now, his followers would fight. Yeah. And he also, uh, even on paying taxes, rendered to Caesar. He said, but. The money had to come up out of the sea, you know, with the fish. Yes. He wasn't much concerned with it. He was very plain in dealing with Herod, called him a fox. Mm -hmm. But he did nothing to counter Herod's rule or even the corrupt high priest. Remember, he would not speak evil of the religious leaders other than the denunciation of the woe. But, I mean, in a head-to-head challenge, he wasn't spitting contempt at them. God's kingdom is one thing. We deal in the, the civil sphere, and as Ellen White writing to Seventh-day Adventists said, that there's certain things that might be good, but we had to deal with present truth. And present truth at this time of earth's history is sharing the love of God and preparing for the soon return of Christ.
0: Okay, next question here for our Q&A with the editor, Lincoln Steed. How can we Christians share our faith without being labeled as fanatic or do-gooders?
1: Well, if it's true faith, if it's changed our hearts, that's its own witness. But when someone's trying too hard, and as the Bible says again, you know, even the pagans, they do these things expecting a reward. He says they have the reward now. Yeah. But, you know, do it without expectation and you'll get your reward in heaven. So a true Christian is not doing it to be seen by men. They should be acting and living in a way that indicates that their heart has been changed. They're becoming like God, oriented toward the kingdom of God. It's a hard lesson, I think, in our organization, in my case, in your case, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The organization doesn't always see that because humans are inclined to sort of organize for PR and presenting ourselves. But that's not the most successful way. Remember, it was changed lives after Pentecost, but within weeks almost was the talk of the known world because as it says, they recognized that
0: these men had been with Jesus. I love that there. Uh, If we can have our lives so lived that people will look at us and say, oh, that person, that man, that woman, that young person has been with Jesus. What a wonderful witness that is. That's what you're saying to us, right? Yes, of course. Okay. All right, next question for our editor today. What's the best way for me to associate with someone who doesn't have the same worldview as I have? And boy, we went through a number of years with that situation going on. I don't want to make an enemy, this person says, but I have strong beliefs. Please help me. How do I share my faith?
1: Well, I don't have the answer in every case, but I know what the Bible says about women married to unbelieving husbands, mm-hmm. which could probably is one of the, uh, the trickiest cases like this with a different worldview. And the Bible says, by your chaste behavior, convert them. Don't harangue them, don't badger them, don't throw it in their face. And it's sort of a continuation of the last question. Yes. A loving and lovable Christian is the best argument for Christianity.
0: You know, I can see why this is a problem for many, because many people grow up in a church whose view of God is one of law-keeping, is one of judgment, is one of punishment, is one of earning one's way into heaven. And we tend to sometimes preach that way, teach that way, and witness that way. How do we get out of that particular type of of a witness into a loving witness that you're mentioning. How do we do that?
1: Well, it should be easy for Christians reading what Christ said. You know, the red-letter Bible can be very good. Just read the red letters.
0: <laughs> Just read the letters, yes.
1: <laughs> What's gotten in the way, and it's a huge problem, and, and it goes back to the big arguments of early Christianity, is the nature of God and of the Trinity. And I am not comfortable with how the Trinity is expressed most of the way. Mm. I'm not against the Trinity. But, you know, the Trinity really, in its worst aspects, it rests on concepts of dualism. And and far too many Christians, Protestant Christians certainly, have problems with the Old Testament God. You know, he's going to beat it into you, and there's good and kind, Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. They need to reconcile the totality of God, and God is love, but as it says, having mercy on those who he will, but will by no means clear the guilty. And this is the trick of the gospel. A God of justice at the same time can be the most forgiving and understanding and loving of creative parents.
0: I like that because I think that our ministry should be one of preaching the God of love. And everyone wants love. Who wants judgment? Who wants someone to come and say, you're wrong? We want someone to say, as Jesus did on that hillside, you're
1: blessed! Right. And our message at this late time in history should be an extension of what it says about God, not willing that any should yes, perish. Yes, yes, yes. And that's why we should pray for any little delay in Christ's coming, not to save ourselves the trauma of his coming. It should be great. But we should want him to delay a bit so we can tell someone else who will miss <laughs> out otherwise.
0: Amen. Okay, Q&A with our editor today. Lincoln Steed is the editor of Liberty Magazine. Here is your next question, sir. If the preacher at my church preaches something concerning government or religious freedom that i don 't agree with, what should I do? i don't want to cause hard feelings
1: well, that's a tricky one, and often it does yeah and, and way too many ministers generally and even some within Adventism have not got clarity on the topic of religious freedom on the simplest level, the Bible says, "If you have a difference, go to them." Mm-hmm but it might be antagonistic. Sometimes discretion is a better part of valor, keep quiet. (laughs) That's true, that's true. Because, you know, this isn't just a spiritual matter. At the church, there's an authority figure, there's who reports to what and so on, and you can make an unlivable sort of a dynamic if you challenge them on it. But there are many non-verbal even ways to counteract a wrong idea on religious freedom. And again, on religious freedom, they don't have to go through the pastor all the time. That's a Catholic idea or an Eastern European idea, like he's the God on earth in the church. A true pastor is, is a local shepherd, but he's not the only one that is responsible for the spiritual well-being of the church.
0: I think this would be a good time for you to answer this question. This is a follow-up. What's your definition of religious freedom? What is it exactly that we're supposed to be defending and guiding our fellow members and our fellow families and our community into understanding about religious freedom?
1: Well, religious freedom is not too different from what Jefferson put in the Declaration of Independence. It's a little more specific for people of real faith. You know, he was a deist. But, you know, we believe God created us. He created us as responsible moral beings, and he gave us the power of choice. He never did mandate that we act a certain way, but we live in a world of consequences. Things follow from a bad choice, and the great beauty of the gospel is God has set a mechanism to draw us back from a series of bad choices. But religious freedom means that you have to grant to any other person as a fellow creature of God the right to make their own choices, even wrong ones.
0: I've heard you say on this program, and it's something that I've written down in articles and I've included in my life, you said that there's far too much religion in this world and not enough spirituality. Unpack that in the next... We have two minutes left in the program. What do you mean by that?
1: Religion in the organized sense with hierarchies and power centers and and vested interests, when it acts aggressively to enlarge its prerogatives, is persecutory. And it easily heads that way without the internal spiritual concepts that certainly from Christianity lie at the basis of it all. And, and and I think every religion you know, I've read a bit a bit about all the major religions at root they're all basically that. I mean, they're not all true. I don't believe in comparative religions that all religions are equal and they're all reaching to God, but I believe all human beings have a God shaped void. And we need to allow people to exercise that and make their choices. And as an individual Christian, we need to offer them the right choice in ways that we do control through our witness and our personal contacts and so on. But we can't force people or compel or hedge their way about so that they can't make good or bad choices. We have to be these free moral agents responsible before God. And there is an accountability one way. The world is not loosey-goosey and I'm fine, you're okay, and God loves us all to live up, you know, never act against sin. Well, it's foolish. But religious liberty here and now means that I am not God acting against or restricting anyone else.
0: All right. Well, Lincoln, you did a fantastic job of answering these questions. And listener, if you would like to add a question to our Q&A with the editor, which we put up every once in a while, you can go to libertymagazine.org and in the Contact Us section there, you can leave a question, say, here's a question for your Q&A programs. And you can lay out a question or two and we'll make sure that we have Lincoln address that. And listener, you know what? We have a lot of resources for you there at libertymagazine.org. You can read some of the articles that are in the magazine. You can listen to these podcasts again. You can watch Lincoln's television programs, Liberty Insider, that he does at the Three Angels Broadcasting Network. He has fantastic guests with him from time to time there as well. And you can educate yourself because that's what it's all about, learning how learning how to understand religious freedom and how you can share it and how you can protect it and nurture it in the world. That's what the magazine is all about. These programs are all about. And I have a feeling that's what Lincoln Steed is all about too. Would I be right in saying that, Lincoln? I hope so. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. (laughs) This program was sponsored by Liberty Magazine. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed, its editor, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258, or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today.